Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold, and this week uh, we have another, you know, I'm really experimenting with this, and I love all your feedback, so thank you all. This week uh, I'm going to do a little of my own shit in the beginning. Uh, which I love doing, and I know that you do too, most of you, I guess. I mean, a lot of people have written to me, I love you. But we also have, uh, you know, after my my shows at uh, 5090, where I'm doing Yes, I Can Say That, it's only there for two more weeks till April 16, I have been doing talkbacks, and I had a talkback with Sandra Bernhardt, and we recorded it. And that is going to be the second half of this episode. Uh, we had also had a talk back with B.D. Wong, and it didn't record because I suck. So that's a fucking major kill me now moment. But hopefully I can get him on the podcast. Um, but it was it was a fun night because Joy Behar was in the audience and uh, Renee Taylor, uh, Jeannie Berlin, um, Elaine May. Uh, and Joy was talking and Renee was talking and it was so fun. So I'm sorry you missed it, but shit, I just fucking want to kill myself. I thought I pressed the thing. I thought I pressed it and I saw the microphone, like the levels going up and down. And then I went to turn it off after we were done and it was already off. So fuck shit ass. It's also because I wear contacts in the show and I can't see up close so I didn't have glasses on. I didn't have reading glasses on. The whole thing just fucking blows. But anyway, here we are. I just um, I just want to say a few things, okay? Because today I'm like, well, first of all, my New York Times review came out, and I don't read the reviews, but I heard it's good. Um, I just want to be a critic's pick once, once in my life. I mean, they all write wonderful things, and then I'm not a critic. Like, what the fuck else? This is such an important show. Anyway, so that's one thing. But listen, first of all, let's let's start with the absolutely horrible and disgusting and piece of shit interview of Marjorie Taylor Cunt. Okay, let's start with that. Okay, first of all, sixty minutes, like. Really? You are going to give that that's the person you're going to highlight and get and validate. That's a validating interview being on on such a, you know, a, a, a show that is known for its incredible journalism. I mean, they've had other shitty people on, but she's an insurrectionist. She's a liar. She's dumb. She's fucking I, I hate her so I can't even tell you how much I fucking hate that bitch. And, you know, she wants a Christian nation. I'm not anti-Semitic. And, and like Leslie Stahl, by the way, 
rolling your eye, you roll your eyes. That's your way of, of punching back or, or, you know, uh, speaking truth or calling her out on her shit is like, are you going to take any of the things? Are you going to say all the things that I said when I was 12 and when I was 13? No, we're going to do it while you're in, in a position of power, a legislator, and you're saying shit and calling people pedophiles when you're full of shit and you were part of the insurrection and you're anti-gay and you're anti-Semitic and you're racist and you're dumb and you walk around like, you know, on your fucking $11 million stupid fucking house, you fucking trash people piece of shit. I fucking hate her. Hate her. You're yelling at the president, you classless scum. Yells at the president during his his um his state of the union address. I, I just like what the fuck? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I feel like Leslie Stahl you know, probably thinks, well, she's really making headlines and, you know, she's a person, she's a person who, you know, it's all about ratings and it's all about like, you know, we're going to be controversial. That's not controversial. That's fucking stupid. That's highlighting a dangerous person who doesn't believe in democracy, who doesn't, who, who is against trans kids like shut your fucking ignorant piece of shit trash dumb what's the last fucking book you read bitch mouth okay Ugh. okay that's number one i could go on and on okay number two I don't need to see Trump's fucking plane take, oh, he got in the car, he's now driving to the airport. He's not OJ, okay? He's not OJ, like, um, fleeing from the police, okay? Where there's an exciting end and you're like, what the fuck is gonna, who cares? The fat orange fuck has to come to New York because he's a fucking scumbag, liar, felon, predator, piece of shit. So we have to, that's news? That's news. I I can't. It's I'm really starting to get. Oh, I'm just starting. It's starting to really. Act, I don't know if you could tell from my. I don't know if you can tell from my response, but. I mean, what the fuck? I this country. I can't. Okay, did you watch the WNBA? Uh, not the W. I can't believe I said that. The women's finals. Okay, look. You know, women are, are the shit that happens in men's sports and they pick on the uh, leave them alone. That's how girls fight. Like, leave us alone. Ugh. But it was exciting. You know, I wish people watched more women's basketball because it really is a team sport. You know, like they 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 it is team. It's not like me, 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 me. And I like that there was trash talk. You know, let me tell you something. When, you know, Ben plays college basketball, right? You know, I can tell when they're trash talking on the court. Now, I have gotten in trouble at some of the games. I've told the fans to shut up because they're just so fucking mean. Like, it really annoys me. Like, they'll they'll Google, you know, they'll look up the person and start, like, finding shit out about them and yell nasty shit. And Ben's like, you know, it's part of the game. And I'm like, ugh, it's just bullying. It's like bullying. And you're getting bullied by people who can't fucking compete against you. They're just, they're just onlookers. They're, they're people who are just fucking bully assholes who can't to have no skill at what you do. Anyway, so I always ask Ben, 
what they're, you know, were they trash talking? And he's like, yeah, 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 they were trash, they were trash talking. And it doesn't even bother him. It makes him like want to, <laughs> it makes him want to play, play better and, and really, and he does, he gets riled up and plays better. But I don't understand that whole, I don't get it. I'm, I'm just so old. I realize I'm old fashioned. I'm, I'm an old, I'm old fashioned. So that's it. But I'm really aggravated. Like I'm so aggravated about that March and I wasn't going to watch it, but I was like, you know what? I kind of have to, cause I'm a comedian and her nose. Can we talk about her fucking nose? Like what did someone punch her in the top of her? It's like the one part of the top part of her nose is going to one side I hate her. I hate everything about her. I hate the way she walks. I hate the way she tries to act like she's a legitimate like person who deserves to be where she is. And I hate that Leslie fuckhead stall. Oh, it's I can't. It's really it's aggravating me. But um, yeah, so that's that. So tomorrow, Orange Fuckface is here. And my theater is right by Trump Tower, where, by the way, every time I pass Trump Tower, I give it the finger. Every time people just stare at me and I just give it the finger because I fucking hate him so much. And Marjorie Taylor Cunt said she's coming here to protest. I don't, no one wants you here. Everyone fucking hates you. And then she's, um, you know, I'm no fan of, you know, the mayor of New York right now. I don't think he's doing a fantastic job, but you don't get to talk about him. Talk about what you know, okay? Talk about macaroni and fucking cheese and working out in your... Oh, and she works out and she does CrossFit. Who cares? She's dumb. She should do cross book where you read a fucking book about someone else's life or struggles, you fucking asshole. Anyway, so she's coming here. And the theater is right by Trump Tower. So I'm a little worried, but, you know, I kind of uh, look forward to that sort of... um you know, uh, confrontation. <laughs> but uh, I think she's going to be down by the courthouse acting like, like, and I hope everyone just is like, oh, shut the fuck up, you scum. Like she has any power here. And he's just a disgusting piece of shit. I don't know. I, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard being here and that fucking, like, why is he held to a different standard than everyone else? And he's just, ugh, ugh. Plus, can I just say something? Stop walking down. I know I said this last time, but stop walking down the street looking at your phone. I was in a car. There was a guy walking across the street in the middle of the street just staring at his phone, walking really slowly. Like, you know, you're going to get fucking killed. Like, look, I can't stand it. Oh, I'm so aggravated today. (laughs) All right, I'm sorry about that. But I did want to say... So I'm going to talk to you after this great interview with Sandra Bernhardt. We talked about a lot of different stuff because, you know, Sandra, Sandra um, Bernhardt was a big influence on me. And she really started out in the clubs, but she expanded and she was fearless and she had what a life she's had. So it was a really interesting talk we had. And um, we took questions from the audience and I hope the audio is okay. But so I hope you enjoy that. And I really, if you're in town, we only have two more weeks of this show at 59E59 Theaters. So I would love for you to see it. And what else did I want to tell you? I don't know. Why don't you sit back, relax, enjoy my interview, and I'll talk to you right after it's over. What, are you trying to record this and sell it somewhere? No, I'm putting it on my podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to fucking take money from you. 
Oh, I wish I had money just to throw oh, at you. Oh, please. I wish I had more than one bathroom. So, um, <laughs> I mean, Elise is here and all she, she wants you to do is sing for us, but you know, it's about me too, but, um, well, you know what? Billy Stritch is here. No, we, he is Billy. If we can pull up a piano, we can do a couple of numbers. Oh my God, I have celebrity friends. Honey, this is a big Um, night. A big night. Sandy, I came up in the mainstream clubs. You were, you were one of, I I met Mitzi after you. You were one of the first big stars at the comedy store. Yes, you were. There were a lot of women there before me. You know, a lot of women, like Elaine Boozler and other people. Yeah. And when I came along, I was like, I'm not doing self-deprecating material. Right. I loved all these ladies, you know, we all grew up with them. Right. And they were wonderful. But I was like, this is post-feminist. You know, we've just come through the revolution, Roe v. Wade. You don't have to worry about abortion care ever again. (laughs) What? Oh, I didn't. I just heard about it. Yeah, it just happened. Um, And so I was like, I was probably one of the first women who got up who didn't look like everybody else, but felt great and sexy and like groovy and fashion forward and all the things that women had never allowed themselves to, to feel. And I sang in my show and everybody was like, you know, freaked out and confused but I powered through. I just, you know, like you, I got up every night. I, was, I worked in Beverly Hills as a manicurist to support myself. Did you speak Korean at all during? No, no, sweetie, no, no, no. First of all, this was the 70s. Oh, right. When women came to get their hair done and they'd sit, right. sit under the dryer. Oh, yes. And you'd do their nails. And I would like, to, you know, I'd kind of work in my material and they thought I was adorable. Yeah. Um, of course. And it was chic. In fact, it was more like the shampoo era, like right. Warren Beatty. Right. It was sexy. It was fun. It was Beverly Hills before Beverly Hills Housewives. And it was a great time. You know, you did sing always, but so did Toady. Um, there's so many of them sang, like Sophie Tucker. Yeah. Um, a lot of them came from uh, vaudeville and and they were funny in between the songs like rusty warren another uh, knockers one. up knockers up that rusty warren <laughs> could not get on television she never cursed she never said a curse word but she talked about women enjoying sex and she couldn't get on tv but she would sell out the rooms and women will come from all over to hear her talk amazing it's interesting because you were such an icon to me uh, and now we're friends. But I remember thinking the fuck you confidence, the like, I was always like, okay, I got to perfect this joke. Uh, and you know, and you always had this air of, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. And it was so intoxicating to watch. Well, because I was tired of women getting knocked around uh, and and watching men night after night when I was at the you know the comedy clubs, just seeing what they did, I was just like, they're not they're not even funny. They're oh not my cute. god! They're not sexy. They're not clean. Right. right. They're, they're, they're disgusting. They stink. I know. I said, you know, like that oh, whole stupid joke right. I have in the show about the girlfriend's bloody vagina. That's shit we had to follow. We had to follow oh guys god. saying the most horrible things about women. But I was also lucky, remember, because Paul Mooney discovered me the first night I got up to perform at the Ye Little Club in Beverly Hills. 
and he took me under his wing, and he was a chic, gorgeous, hysterical. Oh, wrote, I wrote loved for him. Richard Pryor. He was the genius behind Richard. Yeah, Richard, Eddie Murphy, many of them. Dave Chappelle. He, he's written comedy for you, and sadly, he's not with oh us anymore. Oh my God, I loved him so much. So he was my mentor, and you know, he was my protector. He was my brother, my father. Fabulous story, or not a fabulous story, but a shocking story. I was at the comedy store one night, and some managers wanted to, you know, sign me. And they took me aside and they said, lose the Schwarzer. <gasps> and I said, I said, I'm not losing the Schwarzer and fuck you. And I walked Schwarzer away. is a Yiddish word for, meaning for, black. For black people, but it's slightly derogatory. It's slightly derogatory. I mean, my but, mother would say it thinking it because it's black for German. So yeah, I'm a German they, for black. But, and she'd be like, no, I don't mean it. And like, my, so uh, I went over to Mooney and I told Mooney and he and you know, we were just like, you're out of here. You know, I mean, it was just so disgusting. But that, those, those were those times. When I got to L.A., Mitzi put me in the belly room every Friday at eight. And I really developed like so much material in the belly room. Yeah. But you were in the belly room. Were you in the belly room when it was really just strictly for women? Yeah, I was in the belly room. I think it started around 77, 78. And Lotus Weinstock, who was, oh, my, yes. who was my other Jewish soul sister, Angel, who took care of me. Um, we we co-hosted the nights and we'd get up and we'd do our insane act and we'd make up songs because she played the piano. And it was really, really fun. You know, people would come up and it was like, no, it was a novelty. Right. To sit, you know, Lois Bromfield. Yes. Diane Nichols, you know, just tons and tons of fun people back then. And it, it was a place that I really got my, my sea legs. It. I loved that room. But w did you also work in the main room and the original room? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I honestly, once I got into the belly room, it was hard for me to go back down I to know. those rooms because I knew I'd be bookended by men and it would, it would, it would be intimidating. Right. So as soon as I could, and, and I kind of like, I felt like I developed enough. And then I did the King of Comedy. The King of Comedy, brilliant. Oh, no, oh, no, I, now, thank you. Thank now, you. brilliant. I, but I even, it's not even about that. It's just that once I got that, you know, that that sort of liberty of, of having, you know. A credit. A like credit. A movie, then I yeah. could start going to, you know, I, I performed at rock and roll clubs. You know, I went on the road. I did colleges. So I never really went back to the comedy world again because it was just too brutal for me. It's really, I know you tell me that all the time. You're I like, know. why are you going out? And I love work? that you still do it. But I mean, when I get up at a comedy club, I just feel like I get that initial feeling like I did when I was 19. You know, you know it's so many people who I know who've moved on from doing women who've moved on from doing standup feel the same exact way. That's like, well, PTSD. I, still, I still do it, but I just don't, I don't, Not in I, the don't clubs. I don't feel the need to go to a club right. where I know it's going to, especially now I would, it would feel so foreign to yeah. me because comedy is just a totally different animal now as you spent an hour and a half explaining. Right. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. 
It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get... 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you do King of Comedy, but then you start doing these really incredible solo shows. Right. And you develop this cult following did you think of this like I'm gonna make these stage shows? I, I mean, where did you get well, the I, idea to I, start this whole? And to be honest with you, I started collaborating with a, with a, a conceptual artist named John Boscovich, who was like he was way way out there and really brilliant, and he thought he'd want to do this with me. So we started writing my show without you. I'm nothing with my friend Mitch Kaplan. I love Mitch Kaplan. Yeah. Who so, I, thank you. Who stole my musical director. And we sat, we, we developed the whole show in his living room and at his apartment in Hollywood and start, we picked songs. We'd built, we built a material around songs and we'd build material and put songs in. And that's how it all came together. It was sort of like, it was just kismet in the right time at the right place. And I mean, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, this is going to like really just be the most outrageous, controversial, fun thing. Right. I was doing it because it just seemed like the right thing to were do. Were you surprised at how successful it was? Yeah. You were? Wow. Yeah, I was, you know, because it was like, it was like throwing the dice. You just never know. When you got on Roseanne uh, and played a gay character, which was- Bisexual. Okay, bisexual. I know, but I like to differentiate that because it's it was a funny premise. It yeah. was like I was mar- I was married to, you know, to Arnie, played by Tom Arnold, and I was so disgusted by him that I ran into the arms of Morgan Fairchild. Right. <laughs> so 
I mean, there's a, that's, that's a realistic scenario. But, you know, it was funny because because um, once the, the kind of one note, you know, joke ended with me being married to Tom Arnold, Roseanne said, what can we do to keep you on the show? And then we started spitballing and she said, we should make you, you know, you know, become gay. And I said, it's really a funny idea. And of course, the rest is history. But what I loved about it was it wasn't beating people over the head. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't overtly political. It was just inherently political, you know, right. by, by the, the dent of how it evolved. And again, it's like the, you know, they, the audience already knew you. They already liked you. Right. So, and they were invested in you. Yeah. So whatever you did, they were going to be like, oh, okay. Go along for the ride. Yeah. What year was that? I think I started on the show like around 89 or 90. And then did you get any sort of blowback oh. for, no, no, I never, you know, I never paid attention. You know right. what I mean? It was like, yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My sexuality, you know, how I toyed with it and, you know, cause I'd go on with Letterman and I would like flirt yeah. with him. I love your and life. I had a huge crush on David Letterman yeah. in real life. I mean, it was like, forget it. You can get near David because he was so freaked out all the time. But um, <laughs> but it played out so beautifully in that context. So as people were always like, what is, what's up with her? Who, I think people were confused right. by me, which is great because That's then perfect. it keeps people keeps guessing. Toes, yeah. So you, how many Letterman appearances did you 30. make? 30. 30. You were fucking awesome on Letterman. And <laughs> it was so fun. took him so out of his oh, comfort zone. God, I love doing it. Why do you think it. he allowed you to do that? Because he didn't allow a lot of women to... I think he just, we just got into that, you know, slipstream. And, you know, he he was, he could be a little mean. It didn't, yeah. you know, it didn't always register on camera. But there were moments, like, in some of the appearances where he was a little bit pokey and mean. Right. And I had to just, like, kind of, you know, pull myself back from, you know, reacting. So then it got me deeper into our little funny, you know, repartee. Repartee. Um, Thank you. There's something I really want to talk about. And that is, I find it, as I age, Hmm. it's, audiences are different. It's different. It's, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, like, do you feel the ageism in this business or? I think I'm, I'm sort of at the precipice of it. You know, I, I, I mean, there, there are certain venues, like when I perform at Joe's pub, I don't feel it. There. Right. Of course. You know, when I'm in certain markets or cities that, that people come and I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of natural evolution, you know, but also like, I don't really relate to what's going on oh, please. in the world right. and how people get to their fame now, you know, whether it's TikTok or, you know, influencers or these. I can't with the influencers. I know. And it's- <laughs> what, what does that mean? I'm an influencer. Like you get a free car for like it showing just, your it tits. Just, it just means that Instagram. you're willing to like make a fool of yourself right. and you're, and you're, you know, and you're uneducated and unrealized as a person. So I just stick with what, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep going and I'm going to keep going. And until I'm hoping and praying our show gets picked up. We wrote a show together. We're, we're still in the process of, of working on our show. It's great. It's so good. It's what, uh, before we take questions from the audience, I just want to, how do you feel about this PC shit? Like, you know, it's, 
it's so infuriating for me that, you know, these people who we're allies of are getting mad at us. No. But do you get any of that or no? no? I mean, your radio show's great. No, I don't get any of that because you know what? I've just cut off certain parts of my, of my you know, um, synapses. Right. I just shut the shit down. I, don't, I mean, I don't talk today how I would have talked 10, 20, 30 years ago. I just don't. Right. It's not worth it to me. I'm not going to put myself out there. And the world there. has changed. And I don't care. I don't want to get right. attacked by the right. I don't want to get attacked by the left. Either You either see me and you know what I have stood right. for. Or you don't, but I'm not fighting anybody's battles in that way anymore. Right. And I'm not, and I'm not going to get into the trenches over things that I that don't af- affect me or right. I don't understand. Right, I totally okay? get that. So yeah. I mean, I can talk from being a woman, from you know my sexuality, from being Jew. a mother, from being Jewish. But there are certain things I can't, I won't, and I won't right. attempt to talk about any longer. Right. So I'm done. I love that. I love that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can we take some questions? Sure. Sandra, your I never meant to hurt you is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on film. Oh, thank you. Streisand as an influence to you. I Never Meant to Hurt You is actually a Laura Nero song. And she's um, both... Judy and I are hugely I in love with, in love Laura, with Nero. Laura Nero. And when I you are you talking about when I did it in Without You I'm Nothing? Yeah. Yeah, well I, that was sort of based on somebody I had dated, some kook. So like I kind of went in character. She was like some neurotic art art writer and I just you know, I just wove that song into it and it's a beautiful song, but thank you. Laura thank Nero, you. if you don't know her you she, must get to know you her. You have to know her. Oh, Matt! Hi! Uh, so, I'm really curious about, did the did this show grow out of the book, or did you sort of create them on parallel tracks, or how, how did it come about? No, the book came out, and then Primary Stages said, we would like to develop a show with you, and I said, well, this is what I this is what I spend all my time. Like, this is what I would really like the show to be about. And I thought it would be easier since it was a book, but it wasn't because I had to make it personal. And BD, who's such an amazing director, I can't even tell you. He is such an amazing director. He took me out of my comfort zone. He made me go and talk about all the shit that I don't want to talk about. Eddie Sarfati really helped to, you know, put things down in a succinct way. And, you know, the three of us really worked on the script during the rehearsals, too, and cut the fat. There was the first preview is a completely different show than than this preview. I mean, Elisa could tell you that. But I find it I found it to be so important. And I 
I wanted to make it a play. I didn't want it to be stand up and I didn't want it to be a TED talk. I wanted it to be something that people were invested in. And I want it to be a call to action. I mean, it's ridiculous what's happening in this country. Um, I just wanted to ask, first of all, both of you to death. And since Judith's roommate had a baby, oh that was like very, very, very important in my formative years and career man. But I was just curious as, for both of you, when you started out in this like insane and amazing industry, did you ever think you would become such a queer icon or something? No, uh, no, I mean, I, when I started in the seventy, I guess I maybe I did because I was hanging out almost every single night at Studio One in L.A. dancing with all the leather queens, and I mean, I guess I was an early adapter to that you know scene, and so yeah, but I didn't think of it like consciously. I didn't think, oh, I'm going to be like, a, okay, I, I'm going to be like Cher. I mean, I mean, yeah. So no, not. Not consciously, but I loved the scene, you know. I mean, I went to the Rocky Horror Show when it was on oh, up, up on Sunset, the, yeah. the summer of 74, oh. where I met all my gay friends from the San Gabriel Valley. So I was, like, getting entrenched in that scene immediately upon my arrival in L.A. So I guess it was a natural progression, but I don't think anybody at 18 or 19 back then especially would think of it because there was no... There was no, there was no like, con you weren't looking on, like, you know, TikTok or, you know, Instagram and seeing the reaction. You were just like in it. You were living it. And it was just happening and unfolding. History was unfolding. And now history doesn't unfold like that anymore. It's compressed and it's unimaginative and it's just like kind of heartbreaking. So I'm just so glad that I got to experience that, you know, when it was still very like, Great raw and yeah. real. Yeah. I had no idea until, you know, I was working these comedy clubs and I just wanted to be a great comic. And I knew I couldn't, I couldn't not talk about being a gay parent. Like I couldn't not do that. And now it's people your age who come up to me and are like, I was living here and I saw you and you were talking about your family and I thought, oh, I can, I can have a fit. Who was this woman who's just not, I just was like, I can't, I can't, can't live with myself if I don't I'm, tell the truth. Like Elisa's always like, oh, you know, she always was jealous that I was going <laughs> to cheat on her in the beginning. And all my <laughs> friends are like, oh, please, she couldn't fucking lie or cheat, you know? And I just couldn't do it. I thought it was really, really important. And I see now that it, that it is, and it was, and, um, thank you. It makes me, you know, because it's true. People were waiting for me after my shows and I was like, Oh, I just was trying to make you laugh. I didn't realize this was, you know, going to heal you. And you realize the impact you have just from being fully, I mean, she had a huge impact on me, you know, thank you, honey. Oh, darling. The question is, you kind of skewered Jerry Lewis in, your, in the show, and Sam, you work with him. I was kind of curious what your experience Well, I was like, of course, obsessed with him. I'm just observing him on the set. But, you know, he was pompous and, and self-important and, you know, wanted to direct all the scenes. And, you know, and, and he was very, very rude to me many times. But I was like... Who fucking cares? He reminded me of my father, whose name right. is Jerry. <laughs> whose, na whose name is also Jerry. 
So I was used to that. I was used to men just being like of that generation being just like, you know, like bossing. By the way, did you know that I did the um, um, telethon? You did not. Yeah, the summer that I did King of Comedy. It was in September. So I went out to Vegas and he put me on at three in the morning. Oh my God. And my parents came up to Vegas and we went backstage and they brought like a trailer backstage and, you know, at the big hotel. And he came out and he goes, and he was drinking a milkshake. He goes, I drink milkshakes all day long to give me the energy. I was like, oh, you're such a dipshit. So there I was with my dad, my mom, Jerry Lewis, at three in the morning. I mean, it was so, it was. A, it's, Did, were your parents like thrilled to meet him? I don't. I guess they were. I don't remember. You know, I just couldn't understand. Like, I watched him as a kid, and when he would lip sync and do those crazy dances, and I'm like, uh-huh. this guy is so fucking talented. And then you find out he's a fuck. And then I hear him say that shit at, at the Aspen Comedy Festival. And I'm like, why? Who, who, I, I mean, can't. I don't. Well, I don't even care. It's like he, you know, he used women like Stella Stevens was his like sidekick, right? He, you know what I mean? He wanted like a a sexy kind of woman who just stood there and laughed at him. It didn't. It never. None of this shit offends me because you have to put it into context, right? But it's. I never thought someone who could behave so silly could be such an asshole. I could. Yeah. That's. <laughs> None of it comes as any, nothing comes as any surprise. The people that are in our government don't come as any surprise. Donald Trump comes as no surprise. These are people that are damaged, you know, unrealized. And you just go, just please don't ever let them come back in again and take away our reproductive rights. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Along with a million other damn things. What do you, can we take one? Uh, I want to say thank you for the joy that you shared with all of us. It was really wonderful. Oh, thank you. But when you said that uh, comedy, a stand-up, is uh, art, I never thought about it this way. And it was, I guess, liberating and you know, interesting thought. But I thought if, if this is art, which I agree it is, and if what you make is art, do you ever think of the art that you have done as something that you're proud the most? Or you are, it's like, you know, like, Actually, Van Gogh probably thought that, oh, this is, I'm glad I, you know, made, made Disney to William Starry Night. I'm proud of it. Is this something that, is this something in your career that you consider as a masterpiece or not a masterpiece? Is this something- <laughs> it well, is a masterpiece. Are- it is a masterpiece. Oh, thanks. There are bits I have, jokes I've written that are my favorite jokes that I'm like, oh my God. The, you know, the, don't you have that? Of course. Yeah. I think my Anne Frank joke is one of my favorite jokes. About, I don't know if you, no, I did it, used to do a joke about um, how I went to the Anne Frank house and uh, when I was in Amsterdam and I didn't expect to get so emotional and that that these people lived in the smallest space for two and a half years, they couldn't make any noise all day for fear of being caught by the Nazis, which would have been the demise of my entire family because there's no way my mother would have kept her mouth shut for the entire (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) Judith, I asked you to wash that dish 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Shut up, we're going to get caught. That's right, and they're here, and we're all going to die because you couldn't wash a goddamn dish. And (laughs) that was my favorite joke. But people will be like, ah, oh, you know, that Frank joke. <laughs> <laughs>
whatever. That's my favorite joke, I think. Do you have a favorite joke? I'm, they're more about pieces. pieces I, I, yeah. We'll be here for, to next Shavuos. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold, uh, which is produced by Laura Vogel. Uh, it is edited by Colin Schmeling, and it is also produced and also everything else by uh, Brittany Jo Sowards. Richmond. There you go. I really am so... I just want to say... I'm going to just read some things to you that have just... People came up to me after the show. They're like, I love your podcast. I love when you just talk, which is, makes me so happy because this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to do some interviews, but I'd also like to talk about all the shit that I think we need to talk about. And um, so I'm going to do I'm gonna do a combination of both. And I'm so glad... Let me just see. I, I took pictures of of some of the comments I got. I just want to say thank you all so much. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. What? Here's one. Oh, no, that's... Oh, God, I have to tell you something. Oh, my God, I have to tell you something. Okay, Ched, Officer Casserole, thank you. Judy Solo was the absolute best. This is what I love to hear. Someone going off about stuff that other people think I'm crazy for talking about. More of it, please. It was fucking awesome. Thank you, Ched, and your dog's very cute. Okay. Um, listen to this. Brooke Keaton, I love you. Brooke Keaton, more just you. I love the Beethoven story. Thank you. I love you. I love you. San, Sandy D at dharma 53 I loved your recent podcast. Was just you. Go for it. Let's see. Here's another one. Judy Gold, Lisa Minor, L-I-S-A-M-I-N-O-R. I like your new podcast format. You are wonderful. Thank you, Lisa Minor. Thank you, Lisa Minor. I'm just, you know, I just love it. I have more. I have more. Um, let's see. Just finished today's podcast. I wanted to throw out that I think the new format will be wonderful. Madison Fullman. Thank you, Madison Fullman. I'm doing shout outs. Emily Charon. I love you. Your podcast is so fabulous. Please keep going. Please don't stop. Thank you. Lisa Donna Rumma. Hey, just listen to the podcast. I love your new format. I love listening to you and your opinion. You speak for so many of us. I fucking love all of you. Thank you for writing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, all right, before we go, I just want to tell you that. So my upstairs, I don't even know why I'm like, I'm whispering right now. So the upstairs neighbors, right? I, don't, I should have said this in the beginning. I hope you're listening to the end. Okay. So the upstairs neighbors um, are really loud. Like they have a dog that runs up and down the hallway. They seem to like walk around the apartment. Like when I'm in my apartment, I'm not walking around the apartment or just constantly moving. And they, it, you know, the, the, the way the building is built, it's an old building pre-war. You can hear, if you don't have carpeting down, you can really hear it. And I have sent them text messages, like the most loving, thoughtful text messages. Hey, happy new year. I hope you're great. I just want to let you know, blah, blah, blah. And they just ignore me. They just ignore me. So last night I got home. I I was, did a matinee. It's eight, eight 30 at night and they're making so much fucking noise. I don't know if they were vacuuming. I don't know what, but it was a very loud noises. So I sent them the, there's this rule in New York 
that po- most people don't observe. It's called the 80% carpet rule. So that means the that uh, it's a requirement for tenants to cover at least 80% of their floors with carpets or rugs to help reduce noise. So I sent them that article, and they wrote, done. And then they write, listen to this. Ready? And for the record, we're, we've never complained about you... Uh, complain to you about your screams all night and piano playing. Okay. I work at night. What are you talking about my screams all night? What do you, I have a CPAP machine. I'm not fucking screaming. All, I'm screaming right now, but it's like the afternoon. Like what the fuck? Your screams all night. First of all, if you, if you thought I was screaming all night, maybe you would come down to see if everything's okay. And my piano playing, go fuck yourself. I'm a good piano player and I play during the day and fuck you. I've lived here for 34 years and no one's complained about my fucking piano playing. So fuck. Okay, I just had to get that out. Who writes that? And then puts a wink. But I really, can you write to me, whoever's listening, and tell me how you think I should respond? Because my neighbor Marjorie says, oh, just ignore it, Judy. But I kind of want to write, you know what? I've lived here for 34 years. You're fucking loud. Your dog runs up and down the hallway. And I'm entitled to play the fucking piano. If you have any really good comeback lines, because I'm too angry to write anything right now that's normal and really mean. But I take, I really welcome your suggestions. I really do. I also want to say... as we say, Aziz and Pesach, for all the Jews that are who and all who celebrate and all who are going to Seder's, I hope you have wonderful, wonderful Passovers. For all the Christians, except for Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert uh, and Paul Gozart and a few others, I just want to say Happy Easter. Ha- um, I hope it's a fun family time. And um, yeah, and all those who are observing Ramadan. You know, I hope you're doing great and feeling good. And uh, yeah, that's it. I I miss my mother on Passover. I miss my father on Passover. It's very hard. The holidays are hard when you when you're an orphan, uh, and it doesn't matter how old you are. So I'm thinking of all those people who can't be with their families. I love you, and um, I love all of you for listening. I really do. You're the best. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for all your comments. Let me know any good comebacks for the fucking assholes. Um, You know what I'm talking about. And uh, as we always say, so long.